On this week's show, Joe Marler. I said, what does it mean for the future of the game? We've got a very special guest, Johnny Lacey, will be on the show to talk us through everything referee. For on our, we do not touch our eyes, nose, mouths, or balls to avoid the spread of coronavirus and other things. We also have a very, very interesting forfeit that Leinster fans are going to love. I forgot the dance. There should be a dance for it. Like stir it up. That's good. <laughs> Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. Well, on a weekend where Ireland weren't playing, we thought we'd have nothing to talk about. But we have loads to talk about. You're excited, but I I feel like there should be a more sombre tone. Every episode could be our last, Barry. Last week I was in here chatting to Paul, the sound guy, and we were all, coronavirus, brilliant. No bother, it'll be grand, everybody's being overdramatic. This week, I'm I'm very nervous about it. It's getting real. Uh, my wife was talking zombie apocalypse last night. Yeah. <laughs> she's pretty confident she's watched enough shit zombie films that she's safe, that we're... I think that is the criteria to, um, to survive, <laughs> watching more movies. Yeah, yes. Stay yeah. inside, watch zombie films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you stockpiled? No. I went to, to go to Dunn's the other day, and it was just insane. <laughs> I just imagine so. in your garage, you've just got, like, heaps of... Um, T-shirts with the sleeve turned up, <laughs> yes. just in case. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. And my Nikes. I've stockpiled the Nikes because they're made in China. Yeah, uh, yeah. My wife does my sleeves because um, I don't like them. They kind of get too long. Look a bit weird. Um, uh, speaking of zombie, zombie, <laughs> zombie, mm-hmm. zombie apocalypse. It reminds me of the 2011 World Cup. We were staying in Rotorua, and we must have we. Probably must have been a tier two. Must have been maybe Russia or something. We beat, and uh, we went for a few drinks that night. Went into town, but Rotorua is a small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, potholes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> potholes <laughs> slash zombies. Uh, what's <laughs> it like to play for Ireland? Uh, <laughs> what's the best theory you've ever played at? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, stick to the heart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, that's vampires. Baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, ahead. anything really. Yeah. Anything. Um, but, uh, by the way, if you're a listener, if you're a Penguin listener, you don't know what a pothole is, <laughs> you probably, you probably are, are one. <laughs> <laughs> I think Donica O'Callaghan coined that phrase. Yeah. <clears throat> and It exists it is, outside of rugby now, you know. It's the world over. Yeah. My dad starts calling people potholes now. I think it's brilliant. Like, it's proper, <laughs> yeah. you know. Dad, you're one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, oh, anyway, so we were out, uh, out yeah. for drinks, and then we couldn't. We went to like a, a social, a social club or something, somewhere where no one else would have gone in Rotorua. Mm-hmm. And now we're at Grand, we were around in there, and then we went on somewhere else. And uh, we were just getting, getting pestered, and like we couldn't stay together as a team. The whole point was to go for drinks together and have the crack and have the team banter. And we were just getting strewn out across the town by like by zombies, mm. right? And then uh, take a video for my friend. <laughs> He's a huge fan. Here, oh. call him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then someone said, "Right, the next person to talk to a pothole has to buy the next round." <laughs> <laughs> Which turned us all, all into the most 
mean, selfish, rude people you ever see in your life. And we were just like walking down the street. If you're a pothole, I'd be like this. <laughs> Not looking anywhere near you. Kids had to buy the next round. I was at a pub in Dublin before and this guy came up to me and he said, man, would you mind talking to a friend of mine on the phone? He's a huge fan. He read And I was like, fuck's sake, I'm just trying to have a quiet drink here. And he put me on the phone and his friend just goes, monster are shit. <laughs> <laughs> And do you know when you always think about stuff, how you should have reacted to something like hours later, yeah. I was like driving home the next day going, I wish I'd got his phone and dropped it in a pint or something mm. like that. But, but it wouldn't it, have been his fault, I suppose. I didn't I just hand it back? <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks <laughs> for that. <laughs> do you have to uh, categorise your potholes? Because you probably have music potholes and then monster potholes. Uh, yeah. More, more music ones? No, they blend. They, oh, really? <laughs> There's like a Venn diagram so and a big worst. overlap. Yeah, They're the worst. when they kind of blend uh yeah anyway so i'm i'm very i'm well this could be our our, our last show also <laughs> with how we deal with the joe marler incident yes yeah how do we how are we supposed to deal with that i, I think <laughs> what, I what, what are we supposed to do it's it's, it's someone so directive it's so, so tempting to to make light of it and certainly my initial reaction was that's funny and i know people are losing their mind over it as well i know like obviously the impact on the game is you know if potentially you know people see that as an example and people if there's an outbreak of people grabbing people's balls in the game in five years time we'll look back and say we should have stamped that out (laughs) right at the start you just can't see that happening do you reckon he he was like is there anything to do with people you know saying you shouldn't shake anyone's hands that he was (laughs) taking that that extra (laughs) bit further and shake his dick we need to tread very carefully I know John Lacey's coming on, he's going to keep us right. Yes, we have a special guest today, Johnny Lacey, former Munster player, Irish uh, or international referee, uh, and he's going to, yeah, kind of guide us through this. Um, I see, yeah, it is tricky. My initial one was, yeah, this funny. And do you know what? I saw something about <coughs> Marler as a person. His, uh, I saw an, an interview that, or an article someone wrote. Like, he's, he's a jester, he's a joker, he's a comedian. And he gave up international rugby last year because he didn't feel like he could be himself and he felt like the game was kind of quashing his uh, personality. Is that what he said? Pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. why he... I didn't realise, but this is what the article said. This is why he... It he, does. He's right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So, like, if you take, right, our social norms that we, that we uh, all, you know, abide by and we apply ourselves to, they're... They're, they're very important. We need them, right? But then if you go to like a stand-up comedy or if you watch a really funny film or something, they, you're kind of allowing yourself the freedom to look or listen to something that's going to go against your social norms and it's going to be uncomfortable, but you're, you're allowing it. It's not going to be PC, but you're like, let's just do it. It's grand. Um, so it's fine because people understand that they're going to this and they're committing to it. So in rugby, when he does something like that, it's meant to be funny tongue in cheek he's trying to defuse the situation mm-hmm. that's what is clear like when people say it was sexual assault that's like such a grey area because it wasn't a sexual thing he did right no it, I, I know well but people could interpret it that way I suppose mm. the difference is if he does that to a stranger he obviously has a relationship with Alman and he didn't expect him to re- react the way he did mm. he thought he was he was probably expecting either a scuffle like maybe like the Haskell the Haskell mm, squirt squirt water. water in the face, or he was expecting a laugh out of him, but he definitely did not. I'm sh- certain he first of all he didn't mean it to cause any pain, 
and the law. We'll talk about some rules later on when Lizzie comes on. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, uh, in our little zombie apocalypse game, if you mention laws, <laughs> you have to buy the coffee after. Ah, yes, I love it. <laughs> um, but the law is about like twisting or grabbing. He didn't twist or grab. Mm. That's not the same thing. Mm. So anyway, we'll pester Lacey about that. Mm. Um, look, we've got loads to talk about. So I, I'd love to just get Johnny out now because he's a uh, fountain of knowledge and crack. So have you got, have you any referee run-ins? You've, you're squeaky clean, I'd imagine. Uh, I only had a handful of, I might have only Captain Dulster maybe, I don't know, eight or ten times. But even like it's as a more player, than a handful, obviously. you wouldn't have had any trouble with refs at Not all? Not really, but just one of those times was, was, was John, and, uh, and he seems to be, recall me, it must have been one of my first times, and he seemed to remember very clearly that I hadn't a clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to hearing that story. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have any medal. I think I got one yellow card in my, in my career. Oh, wow. Um, so it's pretty good. My brother... No actually, one got yellow cards in your day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have them. In the 70s. the end, end of my career. My brother coaches his son's under-8s team, and he was coaching them yesterday, and they had a match, and he ended up being the referee for the match. And uh, he's... While coaching him, he's, he's trying to teach him. He's quite strong, but he's not very aggressive. Kind of probably like Jack, maybe. And uh, he's trying to teach him how to become more aggressive. He's trying to teach him how to fend. Uh-huh. So yesterday they were playing the game. My brother was refing, and Harry got the ball, and he went to carry, and Brian was like, you push them away, Harry. Use the fend. Push them away, push them away. So Harry just goes up to the first kid, and he just punches him straight in the face. <laughs> And the other kids started crying. <laughs> so Brian had to give a penalty against Harry for punching the oh, face. Then it. Harry started crying because he's like, you told me to do it. <laughs> uh, so I remember my dad as well used to referee our underage games when like the ref wouldn't show up. Uh-huh. My dad would be like, I'll be the ref. And, Is he uh, your coach though? I'm yeah. Thinking, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I knew he didn't really know the rules. So I'd be kind of, even this is mini rugby, even when you were like 10. Under 12s. He just was kind of... You're, you're 11, you're like, that doesn't he, know Oh, I'd be trying to teach him through the game, like how to ref it. And, and then he was such a piss taker. Like the start of the games, I, I was captain, I remember one time, and we had to toss the coin uh, with the ref and the other, the other captain. And my dad didn't want the other captain to know that I was his son. So he's like... Um, Hello, uh, I am the referee. What's your name, young man? <laughs> like, Barry Murphy. Oh, is your father uh, Mickey Murphy? <laughs> yes. And then the other guy was like, do you know my father? He's like, what's your, what's your name? He said, uh, Keen Crow. He's like, is your father Mr. Crow? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I know him. So, <coughs> imagine the, the level of referees have gone up in the world, but let's let's find it's, out. It's funny you mentioned <coughs> mentioned Jack because uh, we got to mini rugby for the first time in a few weeks there on, uh, on Saturday, and um, we were doing this one on one drill. They 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 shout the colour of the cone that you're standing on. You both run and get the ball, and Jack was opposite um, uh, a girl called Tilly, and <laughs> this girl was faster than Jack for a start. Uh, I think she's a bit older, to be fair. Oh. <laughs> so Jack um, got there seconds, but made it count because he's got a bit of a ruthless streak in him, a very ungentlemanly streak. What did he do? She picked up the ball and he just ripped the ball off, <laughs> ran off the other end. So it was kind of bittersweet. He's slow, but he's aggressive. He's aggressive. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So you got one of them anyway. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll get Johnny Lacey on the couch. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe. 
together with Guinness. Welcome to the couch, Johnny Lacey. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you. Um, so when you talk to most players after they retire, it's uh, these weekends can be hard, apart from him, because he doesn't really care about not playing anymore. But a lot of players will be like, oh, I miss out in the big games like that. You miss those weekends. Mm. Um, do you find it that, that way when you're not ref? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose when, you, when you've gone through it as a player, I suppose I thought I retired before, but I, I went straight into refereeing at a high level. So it become probably, I really just know what retirement is now, really. Um, do I miss going to Swansea on a Friday night with Pro 14? No. no. Do you miss Champions Cup huh. games in Six Nations? Of course you do, because that's the, that's the real buzz. But there's certain Pro 14 matches you don't miss, but uh, life goes on. Yeah, and what about the weekend then? Are you, you're still switched on though for those games, like you're yeah. reviewing, reviewing refs and everything? Yeah. Obviously, because we've obviously Frank Murphy, former player as well, was on the line in, in Scotland yesterday, and Andy Brace refed in uh, Italy, France in uh, previous rounds. So, yeah, uh, one of our TMOs was involved in the 20s game on Friday night. And so we've a lot of Irish activity around refereeing and that. So, yeah, and then from a learning perspective, I would cut all the interesting clips. You've already spoken about one for uh, for our weekly or fortnightly high performance meetings, which will happen next week. Okay. So we'll review those and see what the learnings so the referees can learn as well, just like players. So what 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 is it you missed since you finished? Because most players, whenever they, whenever they finish, they miss <laughs> the big wins or the, the the team crack. Whereas you wouldn't have had any experience of those. What what is it you miss? Is it the well, lifestyle? Is it the big moments? The what I would it's interesting that you say. What I would consider a team win is going out and doing a good job in the match with a referee team. So they're actually a team now, I suppose, because you've got four officials that are all quite active. You know, they're not touch judges anymore. They're assistant referees. Yeah. The TMOs, as you're well aware, probably too too much getting involved in the game for <coughs> me. Um, but, yeah, you still have those. And, you know, getting to ref in Murrayfield, 65,000 yesterday, mm. you know, that buzz is hard to replicate in any walk of life. So it's... Uh, Pretty similar, really. Yeah. Mm. Was, I, over the weekend, actually, I noticed there was quite a few, and I've seen this a lot, there's quite a few kind of cagey conversations between referees and assistant refs because no one really wants to take responsibility for, for a decision mm. that doesn't go right. So they all go, is that what you, is that what I've seen, is that what you've seen, yeah. can mm. you confirm? You know, and they're all just waiting to almost be overruled or if, if I say, is, have you, is that what you've seen? And then you say nothing, then, well, you've agreed with me. So, do you know, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. So relationships kind of... Almost a little bit cagey in that because no, there's never really that many good guys. What an amazing performance from the ref! Not that doesn't happen very often. No, it's way more often someone's made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. You I almost mean, don't get the either do your job or you do a bad job. Yeah, if you go into a stadium with sixty-five thousand, the best you the best you're going to get like straight away. And I, I took yeah. a while to, to to get used to that. That you know, you when you're part of a team and you do well, does it? There's a love from your teammates and your uh -huh. fans and all that. The best you can hope for is a ref that. One crowd are not going to like you from one team, and the other, oh, he wasn't too bad today. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the best. You, and you know, you got to you got to learn to deal with that over, and just yeah. go and worry about your performance. They should segment off a little bit of the stadium for a referee supporter. <laughs> exactly. Great idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny. Like I, my parents would never <clears throat> never see me referee a match live. Really? You know, they were going to go to the World Cup in 2015. Yeah. Ended up doing the bronze medal match. Great. They were going to fly over. I said, don't. I said, you know, they love sport, but. Uh, I just don't want to put him in that environment with the abuse that, you, that they're probably going to hear. I don't yeah. think my dad would probably get stuck in someone. He was a tough GA man back yeah, in the day, yeah. so I don't see a 75-year-old man stuck in someone. My mother used to announce that she, when she got to her seat 
I'm I'm Barry Murphy's mother. Yeah. <laughs> and she told me that I was like, how bad are we yeah. <laughs> giving out about yeah, me yeah, this yeah, daily yeah, yeah. But Absolute it, silence grinder. Yeah. <laughs> the oven in the room. Yeah, yeah true. But, but when you're when you're being put together as a as a as a referee uh, team, do they are they conscious of keeping lads together all the time and building building that team amongst the four or five E? In in Pro fourteen, yes. Uh, one of the nice things about Pro 14 now is that when I started Pro 14, you flew to Cardiff, drove on your own, ref half seven at night, piss and rain, and then drive back to London on your own. So that's, you know, you could have a bad game, a good game, but get into a car at 11 o'clock at night in Clanetley and drive to London on your own. In your head. Yeah, you can stay, but you're trying to get home, you know, to Mm -hmm. to family and friends, and uh, that's quite difficult. But now the TMO and one assistant referee goes with an Irish referee, so at least the TMO can drive and there's a bit of a team environment. And... Mm -hmm. The more investment with Pro 14 that's come, that's probably, uh, and the referees are all full-time now, per se, so, um, bar one or two. So that, that's helped, you know. In that's Europe, just... you go as a full team. Yeah. And that's, there's a bit of crack in that. Yeah. You know, you go down to Toulon and you ref Toulon Saracens, hopefully the game goes well, and then you have a nice bottle of wine and a steak down in Toulon. Yeah. Down, mm. down, down Is in there Toulon. a team bus? Is there, like, songs in the bus, initiations? Good crack, yeah. yeah. There would mm. be a bit of banter and good chats along the way. And, you know, some of the places are... With flights nowadays, you know, there's a summer schedule in the winter, so you might you might have to fly to Toulouse to to drive two hours to to Beritz or back in the day or or wherever. Or Claremont's, you know, quite difficult. So you fly to Leon and it's a two-hour drive to Claremont. My favorite, uh, my favorite place to referee, actually. Yeah, yeah. an amazing place. And I'm sure you play. Oh, yeah. it's insane. Incredible. You go out to warm up there, 45 minutes before, and it's 18,000 people ready to go. I actually left, left my last game in France there, which was a semi-final of the European Challenge Cup, and went in on an almighty session afterwards with the fans. They have, they have an amazing post-match experience yeah. in there, and they have that old cowbell, so there's an eight-year-old guy that rings this bell. He's actually very very ill at the moment, and uh, he's, uh, he rings this bell and it drives, so he was inside there, so I started ringing the bell, and we were drinking shots with Frank Murphy and Andy Brace. It was, it was good fun, and ringing the bell, should have been going crazy. Brilliant. Good fun. Yeah. What so, about a place like that? It, it, like um, Marcel Michelin, is that is that bittersweet to you because it's such an amazing experience, such a unique place to play, but also if things don't go well for Clermont, mm. you get a way harder time. And French supporters and French players are probably the most irrational mm. <laughs> in the game. Yeah. Your man, uh, what do you call the tight head that got sent off at the weekend? Punch your man mm-hmm. in the head, got red card, obviously, mm. and he's walking off shaking his head. Mm. <laughs> as if like Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I, if the res- rest made a mistake. Yeah, no, it's 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 a cauldron. It's it's but I, I think it's just like a player, you just that lifts up your edge and gets you even sharper for a game down yeah. there. Yeah, and you've got to be comfortable with making tough decisions against Claremont, knowing that eighteen thousand people are gonna be whistling and on mm. your back mm. you send a yellow or red card off of one of those and uh I sent, uh, interesting, I was working with Tonga during the World Cup this year and met the team and Tonga beat Italy, their first Tier 1 win a few years ago and I reffed it. So team manager welcomed me back. But I could see the number 8 for Cast, who I sent off this year for a shoulder charge into Luke Cowan-Dickey against Exeter. So they welcomed me in and all I could see was like Maffa was over there going, Jesus, I sent him off this year. This is going to be interesting, you know. But uh, he came over to me and had a bit of crack. He he nearly got sent off when he came back after his three-week ban for the same thing. So, yeah, it's interesting, but send a guy off in cast, which, as you know, is one of the toughest places Mm. to go and play 
away from home and a tough place for a ref as well. Mm. Mm. Is that like is that a lonely place to be when when you're a ref? Um, I always picture it like you're 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 in the middle of it and it's going wrong or uh, you have to make a big big call like that. Um, and the abuse you can get, um, it must be a lonely place. Like, do you, are you encouraged to practice um, meditation or, or any kind of mental health um, skills or, or anything like that? Yeah, well, we've got all the supports from the IRFU, to yeah. be fair. You know, S&C full-time, uh, sports psychologists full-time. So we've access to everything that players get, which is fantastic. But, like, nothing prepares you for that in that moment. I suppose, you know, you can talk to a player or a referee, but when your experience really helps, mm. you know, and be, being strong in that moment. But, you know, curveballs come at you. I mean, look at the Marler incidents at the weekend. If that came at you, mm. that's not something that any of us were expecting to see at the weekend, but a referee might have to deal with that in front of millions of people instantly. And that's the one which separates the top-class international referees to guys that maybe don't make it, is to be able to deal with those curveballs that come at you mm. and deal with them well. Now we role play stuff and we look at clips in the high performance <coughs> centre every couple of weeks and how would you mm. describe that? How would you deal with that decision? So we prepare in that way, but mm. when you've got so, 20,000 people in, this, in the Michelin and you've got 20 seconds to make a decision on mm. something, that's not easy for one person. Would you have known that rule at the weekend if, that was, if you were referring that was, uh, your attention was drawn to it like, that that he did that and you saw it on the screen, would you be able to say, oh, that's a red card offence? He broke the rule. Uh, he, well, rules, I know you're trying to wind me up here with the rules because uh, Paul O'Connell keeps calling them the rules, but they're actually laws in the game because you and I might have different interpretations of, is that offside, is it not, is it 50-50, do we play on? Because we can have a rugby match with 55 penalties and we'll, have, we'll never see a rugby match and people won't come. So it's getting that balance right, the decisions that influence a game that should be penalised and letting the game flow. So again, the better the referee, the better the flow of the game. And I think that's very important. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I mean, yeah, you know, I know Joe Marner a long time. Uh, I actually uh, defended him in a, in a sighting in 2010 in the Under-20 World Cup. I did uh, the opening game and he was incorrectly cited for a headbutt, which he didn't do. So I was asked to go to the hearing, which is quite unusual for a ref to be brought into a hearing. But because it was a tournament, and we didn't know each other, and uh, obviously the, the prosecution asked me, did he do it? And I said no, and they kept probing me, and I stuck to my guns, and he quite rightly was, the sighting was, was cleared. And uh, myself and Joe ever since have been, he appreciated, he was a, had a Mohican back then, playing away to Argentina down in Rosario, I'll never forget it, with 30,000 people <laughs> booing the English national anthem because of the Falklands War, yeah. it was amazing. But... Uh, Really, really funny guy, and you mentioned him earlier on. You know, even refereeing him over the last 10 years, every year a couple of times, he'd walk in in this worst, worst Irish accent ever into a change room, all professional serious, and top of the morning to you, he'd say, yeah. and everyone would start laughing in Quinns yeah. or England or whatever. But, yeah, it's a sticky one. I think yeah. World Rugby are going to have to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Obviously, there's a, a range of you know, suspensions you can get from 12 weeks up to 208 weeks which is four-year suspension. But I don't think that's for the most serious offence where someone would mm -hmm. be injured. But so the lowest is eight weeks? Twelve. Twelve. Twelve, yeah. So, so they're going to have to do something. 
um, obviously with the I think with the outrage and, and uh, I, I think I think so for, for for the for the integrity of the game yeah. possibly and we don't as you mentioned earlier on that this we don't look back at this incident we need to look at this incident in my view and say right we need to make sure that this doesn't happen again mm. and right and you know these people are role models right down to. Jack playing rugby in, in Ulster, mm. Mick playing, you know, that's 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 who this is for really, you know, at the yeah, end of the day. And I think that's important as it well. Is, yeah. Uh, would it would it have been considered different if Alwyn Jones had reacted differently? If he'd if he'd laughed and then if he was asked about it in the press conference afterwards and he said, Ah, oh, listen, it's just one of those things, Joe was just having a bit of a bit of cry. Yeah, I, I still I, th- I still think the discussion would probably have to be had, be had but um I find it interesting that Alwyn Jones didn't bring it up to the referee's attention, uh-huh. but still in the post-match interview, he he brought up the referee mm. and threw the referee <laughs> under the bus and the TMO. And I'm like, going, well, you didn't go to the referee and actually put the put your case forward to the referee live the in the referee match. Won't listen to I you. mean, there was so yeah. much going on there. It's very difficult for the assistant referee and TMO to pick up that quickly because you go down that road. And it has a serious impact unless you're 100 percent sure. Yeah, and but, but the team, uh, but surely the TMO has all the footage that most viewers at home saw it. Yeah. So yeah. He, he he and he's a professional and that's his job to see it. Surely. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, well, and then the other thing Alan Wynn said was, <clears throat> it's difficult to know when the right time is to go to the referee because you know you know what it's like. Sometimes you're uh, reviewing and they're sitting talking to their their AR and they're looking at the screen talking to the TMO and any player that comes over they go no 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 not now. Yeah, yeah, but I think even before it, there was nothing being reviewed at that, in that in that moment anyway. Yeah. So I think there was an opportunity if he really felt that strongly about it yeah. that he could have brought it to the attention of the referee, and then it might have been a different conversation. Mm. I mean, the TMO is looking at that, and can he say one hundred percent in three or four seconds? Did he grab him mm. in the genitalia, or did he just grab the shorts and pull the shorts? How how can he be a hundred percent sure? Yeah, because yeah. if he only if Alwyn Jones turned after he just pulled my shorts. And then we've had a red card and it influenced mm-hmm. the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. So, and I think there's a responsibility on Joe as well not to do, yeah. bring that type of attention onto himself. So let's not look at the refs too much and I'm not here defending them, yeah, yeah. but let's look at the player that has to take responsibility for his own actions as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. the English, they're, they're kind of walking on thin ice all the time or on the edge. They're, you know, a lot of people question how, how they were offside a lot at the weekend. They're pulling and dragging. There's a lot of high shots going in. So I suppose if you're a Welsh player, you're probably going in there going, um, any opportunity I can get to get an advantage. So um, Adam and Jones probably, like he, he wasn't having a go off Joe Marler as a as a character. He said he's a really good guy, but he want, but he should have been penalised for that and, and Wales should have gotten an advantage from it. So... Um, mm. Yeah, it, it it just it seems Joe Martin was one, doing one of two things. He wasn't trying to cause physical harm. He was either trying to get a reaction to get him to to punch him, and, or he and, was just having a bit of crack. Or he as was he literally does. just yes, and, yeah. and knowing the character that he is, yeah, you'd be fairly certain that he was just having a bit of crack. Yeah, mm. uh, uh, and I, I would imagine he probably has a relationship with Alan Wynn. and he and I'm led like he seems like <clears> sort of fella who. He might have thought would have reacted by smiling or laughing, and then yeah, yeah. It, it actually it could have helped the situation. I'm just saying hypothetically, it could have diffused the situation completely, 
and it, what was a real intense kind of scuffle, head to head, shirt grabbing, and then just everyone just says, "Right, like, come on." I think he was game. just trying to have the crack. Genuine. That's my own opinion. Should yeah. he? He needs to be more careful. Yes, but I think he was even looking at the cameras. Uh-huh. If you look at the footage, mm. he's kind of looking over to one side, going, "Let's have the crack here, lads." You know what I mean? Let's. Let's look at the camera, but as I said... And his you know, facials were... Yeah, yeah, just... They, just, just, they just, added to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah. like, I know it, it could... It, it's not something we want to encourage, but I think in... And maybe in five years, like, if that became something or, like, there was a spate of these, then you're saying, right, this needs to be addressed. Yeah. But for what it was there and then, it didn't seem... It didn't seem that serious. And my initial reaction was I thought it was funny. Obviously, since then, there's been a lot of discussion around it. And then it does become, right, there needs to be a conversation had around this. But my initial reaction, I would imagine if most people are honest, their reactions were probably the same. Mm. A, a bit of a giggle. And, and, and the discussion is good, Jimmy, because uh, and the professional referees around the world will have discussions around that and will be strong in what way they will deal with that. And I'm sure World Rugby will give direction to all of us, players, coaches and referees, because we're all, we're all in this together. We're all part of the same game. So I think we'll get some direction on that and referees will be instructed that if they come across any of this they'll be yeah they'll be what is the actual rule um john (laughs) is it grabbing or twisting is that the rule yeah grabbing twisting that's what the law states in the the law books so i mean it's there for people to read online it's available on the world rugby app you can look at you know but but it is and it's 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 not common. It doesn't. No. I've never come across it yeah. in ten years. I was professional refereeing, so yeah. you know, you know, I've got guys that have had pinches and bites and gouges, allegations, but never that's never come across my desk in my career. So, yeah. so let's make sure we keep it out. Speaking yeah. of that, the other uh, controversial moment of the weekend was uh, Mohamed Hwas getting red carded for France at the weekend. Um, it's Pat, you were just pointing out beforehand that Ibanez has come out and said that uh, Huas is claiming that he was gouged. Yeah, just before that by, by Haining, Nick Haining, he said that, uh, so they're obviously contesting it then and saying that, you know, he was provoked or even then that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't properly sighted as well. Like he, his vision could have been blurred if he was, right. so they're not, they're not giving it up anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was a reasonably accurate punch for someone with blurred vision. It was. And poor Richie, um, or Jimmy, Jimmy Ritchie, he got smashed by um, by Fiku. He got punched by the the tight head, and then um, Fakatau was kind of slapping him at the same time. He got all three <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in one. But yeah. I, I think he contributed to the whole thing kicking off as he well. In, and for, yeah. for, for for me, if I'm being honest, I probably you know would have binned him, and a red card is a red card for the punch and retaliation. So. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things in that match that you know will have different interpretations. Mm-hmm. If if there is a gouge, as, as you know, as alleged, the footage will have to be there for that. And the sighting, like there's 16 camera angles in a in a ground now at a test match like that. So, and they've got Hawkeye, which can zoom in on anything. So not too much stuff is missed when you've got 16 cameras around the field with three technicians with the ability to zoom stuff and everything. So. It's why rugby, we don't have that many punches anymore. I mean, when was the last time we saw yeah. a punch land? Maybe in Tolman Park two weeks ago yeah, with the Tongan yeah. second row, actually, no, yeah. come to think of it. We haven't had a lot of punches. There's a lot of pulling and dragging going on. At, but um, um, At under-21s, um, I remember we were playing on wheels. We, we got beat badly by wheels under-21s at the time. Chris Henry, out of nowhere, there was there was a mall and there was no, no scuffle or nothing, no fight or nothing. And then just all of a sudden, Chris Henry got a red card for a gouge. 
and um, it turned out they just got the wrong person. <laughs> Chris got red carded for nothing, and he was literally he wasn't even in the mall. He wasn't even <laughs> in the shot. Chris was like nearly in tears running off the pitch. Oh, it's tough, yeah, yeah. But yeah. probably one camera at that that was at the No, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Back then, lovely place. Old school. Old school. Old school. That's old school. That was a lonely drive home from Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, as you said, there were controversial moments in that game, like the first yellow card uh, that France had as well. For me, I don't know, when, when you talk about keeping the game, speeding the game up and keeping it going and keeping it moving, keeping everyone interested, that took, uh, how long did that take to, to make that decision? Uh, three or four minutes probably? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, early in the game, like as Paulie said on, on uh, TV, that in, in real time, that just happened so quickly. And two players go in, and he's. It all happens so low to the ground as well. It's not like someone was lift uh, above head height or dropped around. It just happens so quickly. I just feel like give the penalty and move on, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm in that camp, Barry. We're we're working hard, the Irish refs and Pro 14, to try and make stronger on-field decisions because we forget that people. We get to go to most games free, whether it's our job or TV or commentary or, but like these people are paying to go in to watch rugby matches, and we're lucky to have them. And we, the referees need to speed up the game. We don't want to spend five minutes looking, what do you think, what do you think? Mm. Make, make quicker decisions because it's killing, killing the flow of a game, killing mm. the atmosphere at matches. I can hear refer, you know, supporters, get on with it, ref, make a decision, ref. Let's speed up these decisions. I'm not saying with the really, really tight calls that we don't take the time to make sure that it's a try or make sure that that punch is actually connected. It's not just hit a shoulder. But I, I'm talking about the ones that are easy. You know, the ones in, you know, the Tolman Park red card, the mm. French one, you know, that tip tackle for me, for me, that was just give a strong, quick penalty and get on with the game. Because mm. I felt that that game was pretty, the first half of that game was really poor yesterday. I didn't really enjoy the first half of that game. It was just, the scrums were taking too long for me. And I you know there was a lot of stuff on social media about that. I think we need to speed up the downtime because it'll enhance the atmosphere and the intensity of a rugby match. Mm. And the referee should contribute to that by making strong on-field decisions with his team and pr- make the process quicker. Mm. I think the TMO could help out a little bit. Quite often the ref um, takes his time, blows his whistle, has a chat to his AR, and then he does the, the signal that he's going to go upstairs, and then he talks to him. And like, like that probably takes 10, 15 seconds before he even talks to the TMO. Mm. Then the TMO says, OK, um, uh, I'm reviewing the footage now and the footage will be up on the screen shortly. Mm. If something's happened, most people in the stadium know what he's referring to. They might not know exactly what it is, so that's why they're going to review it. Mm. But there's been an incident there. TMO should st- look straight to it. And if he, the ref says, I want to have a conversation with this, TMO should say, I've already had a look at it there. Here's what I think. And it's, on, it's up on the screen straight away. I okay. feel like that, there's always a delay over that. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give you an insight into into what I would do myself. So, so, so sometimes a, a foul play has to be decided by the referee, not the TMO. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, that referee leads foul play and on-field decisions, especially on foul play. He can give advice and grounding. So if you guys were my assistant referees, we two good guys to have, actually. Very reliable. <laughs> very, very, very reliable, <laughs> honest, straight. No, but what I would normally do, so if I have a tip tackle in an Ulster game against Munster, for, for example, and I've seen it myself, 
I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to do, but I would walk over to you, Andrew, and just say, I'm going to review a tip tackle here just to see landing position. Uh-huh. That takes about eight or nine seconds. Could you run uh, over? I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'm doing is I'm just giving my TMO 10 seconds to get me the, the actual best shot. Uh-huh. That gives him that 10 seconds. Yeah. So when I go to Ravenhill and say, put it on the wonderful, they have excellent screens in Ulster, actually, as you're, as you're aware, the huge, that that TMO will have that ready for me. I want to see tip tackle by Barry Murphy. And that will come straight up, and then I'll make that quick decision. So what I what I don't want to see is asking the other touch judge. Let's show me another angle. What started that? Is there any mitigating factors? I want to cut out all this stuff yeah, yeah. and get that. So there's a reason why sometimes that eight or ten seconds. I don't think that's the problem. Uh-huh. It's the two minutes of talking, not necessary bullshit. Mm. Sorry, that's yeah. a poor choice of yeah. word for a ref, but I mean. Let's get rid of the bullshit and make mm. quicker decisions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the reason. No, it's probably we take a little bit of time on that. Yeah. Yeah. Our players, um, like Frank Murphy's obviously come through the ranks very quickly. He was identified then whenever he finished, he must have showed a bit of interest whenever he finished yeah. playing. And then with someone like that, are 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 they actively pursuing um, uh, retired players who have an interest in the game who want to get into that to kind of fast track the yeah, game because so, they've got that experience in that so environment? So we, 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 we have three of us that are kind of run, run the department. Dudley Phillips, head of referees, and I look after the high performance referee and the talent ID side. And then we have David Wilkinson, head of community rugby, which is in charge of the AIL. So we have pathways coming from guys that don't don't play, which is fine. And we just want the best referees that that. That, that we can for the game and the professional game is another professional people retiring is another avenue that I'll be looking into and I'll be actively talking to guys that don't through don't come through academies so because Irish refereeing is now professional we five fully professional referee it's a professional opportunity if a guy doesn't make it as a rugby player or Barry you know you got you had an injury maybe if you're retired at 26 27 you wanted to be a professional athlete that Refereeing is now an option, but you still have to go through the All Ireland League system, go through mm-hmm. the Ulster Society of Referees, and come through the ranks like everybody else. And it's just like playing for me. The best guys get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. In in every sense, you 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 know that, you know that people will always think that they're better than what they are and compare themselves to other people. Referees are no different. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I suppose myself. Joy Neville, you know, number eight Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Andy Brace played for Old Crescent and played for Belgium international team, actually. All right. And I watched they, they played Spain yesterday. I watched that game yesterday because we had an Irish referee refereeing that Sean Gallagher. Obviously, you mentioned Frank. Um, so yeah, and obviously George Clancy is a very experienced referee. So there, there are five guys at the moment. But uh, I hope through both systems that we will get. Uh, like I mean, Ulster haven't had an international referee for twenty years, so. I'm talking to Kieran Campbell, guys like that. Um, Leo Cullen wants to get a you know an ex player in into refereeing as well. So because the pro refs are helping the teams as well, we're we're uh-huh. out doing pitch sessions as you're probably aware. Mm. I've been doing Munster for a few, few years, but we're going around the four provinces, and those pro refs during the week are going to the training sessions to help the, the, so the players. Tra- so when you trained at Munster, that wasn't really a thing when I was playing. Um, mm. Is that a, is that a, every week you're in with them for two sessions a week every pitch session is referee basically? I, I was until retirement so yeah. we, we've a mixture of people going into Munster now I help out so if the pro refs are, are, are going to Ulster, Leinster and Connacht in a week and I, I, I look after Munster then or whatever but you know Joy goes in, George goes in mm. um, obviously Andy Brace and, and I'm refing them so we keep them away, they go to Leinster and Ulster and, and we, we kind of make sure that uh, 
that we cover the teams when they need the sessions. Like I do a little bit with the Irish under 20s at the moment. They're a really enjoyable group to work with. Mm -hmm. So Noel, Noel McNamara brings me in there and, you know, around the laws. Because interestingly enough, you've got a very good captain in David McCann from Ulster who's hopefully going to be a professional rugby player. But he'd never dealt with a TMO before. So he goes into the Six Nations. So I had to give him the TMO protocol and he, that was his homework for one weekend and then right. he would come into training and I'd ask him different questions and how are you going to ask the ref that and all that oh, because that, that type of stuff people don't realise that th these boys are learning the lingo, to be, the, the, lingo yeah. the, the, the terminology and yeah they've gone through their schools programmes or their clubs but they never had a TMO before so that, that education is a part of that 20s uh, programme as well for them going forward so anything we can do to help them is is a pleasure for us and yeah. I know you like obviously you live across the road from Paul O'Connell um, I'd imagine he must have been all over you, like when he was playing about learning the lingo, or you know, he's yeah. so obsessed and so dedicated. Like, what, what was that like? Yeah, dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Every but, night but, of the week. I suppose for for a guy that played in the backs, and then for me to spend when Anthony Foley asked me to come in because Munster had a discipline problem, so I came in. I spent all my time with the forwards. Now okay. I don't like the backs anymore. I just love being with the forwards all the time because it's, it's more interesting stuff that goes on there, mall, scrummaging and the competitiveness of training and the edge with two packs going at each other at scrum time, even from Ireland all the way down to, to provinces. But Paulie was, was brilliant for me as well because I was able to bounce mall stuff off him. So it was a two-way flow, but... Uh, yeah, Paulie wanted to know all the terminology as well for referees. So he, when he went to challenge a referee, he was able to have the terminology. So tip tackle, for example, taken above horizontal, driven into the ground, Paulie would know all those phrases so he mm. could challenge a referee or... He could trick them. Or, def <laughs> or, or, or defend in, in another way that he's come down safely or he's come on his side. So Paulie knew all that stuff. And uh, I remember uh, Jerome Garces made a mistake one time and... Uh, there was a, the Munster wanted a mall, of course, but Cast, no, it wasn't Cast, it was Leicester, decided not to engage the mall, which is a thing referees hate. Yeah. So Paul had the ball and he went to keep moving. It's a nothing, it's just a, t a team going forward. And Jerome Garces gave a free, free kick for obstruction. But the ball was at the front, so it should have been play on. Mm. So he made a mistake and Paul, he said, how am I going to make sure this doesn't happen again? I said, make eye contact with the referee and say ball's at the front because then it's legal. Yeah. So, of course, Champions Cup game next week, same thing happens. Team C that Munster got caught, and Paulie's just looking at the ref. I have it at the front. I have it at the front. So that's, that's the detail that he went to. He used to call in as well into the house and take furniture down and put it on the floor and make, <laughs> make rocks and stuff like that and, <laughs> and put on the kettle, and we'd have, we'd have good chats. But uh, I, I enjoy our chats because they're, he challenges me, and I challenge back the same way. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's healthy because... That's the best learning environment for everybody. Yeah. So, when, like, you didn't plan on becoming a referee, did you? Like, it kind of, you, you, did it happen accidentally when you got yeah, your first yeah. schools cup match? Was it? Or yeah, it literally was by, by by accident, which happens referees as well, especially the ex players. Once happened, Alan Roland as well. He just turned up in Black Rock. But uh, yeah, as you know, I was in the academy and the the age grade squads of Munster, and I was a rugby development officer, and obviously with Munster at the same time, and went to watch some of my players in an under-17 medallion cup, junior cup, we call it, in, 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 in the south. And I uh, went to watch a game and the ref didn't turn up, 1,500 people. So You're the branch didn't want to give back the money. So I got the right. shepherd's hook in to ref the match. And there's a picture put up in the examiner when it should have been more about the players. They put a picture of me up refing the match. And 
Then the RFU just came, would you be interested? So I was actually due to go into the academy full time. And they said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll give you support for two years in a part-time contract. And I said, right, you can always go back to coaching. And that's 11 years ago. Mm. So it just, it, it happened for a reason, you know, and you enjoy it. And the, the one thing I will say, coaching's tough. Yeah. Refereeing is tough, but they're, it keeps you connected to the game. You know, not everybody can be in the media. Now, every player coming out seems to want to go into the media. It's pretty brave to become a ref or pretty brave to become a full-time professional coach because they're, they're pretty ruthless jobs now with social media mm. and stuff. So I admire anybody that, that takes it on, you know? Yeah, I suppose you played in the AIL, uh, the heart of the AIL, winning five, five AILs with Shannon. Mm. He was the first ever player to score 50 tries in the AIL. Um, Congratulations. What an achievement. It's good to see the AIL coming back because it went a bit of a lull, but I've, I've, been, I've seen a few games this year and it's, uh, I think with the, with the change in putting more professional players back into it, it's really, really stepped up the level of, uh, of the rugby matches that I've seen. You know, mm. I went to see Andy Brace play you know, UCD, Young Monsters, and you know, I would have known a lot of the Irish under 20s some last year, but there were six or seven of them playing for UCD and mm. good few of the Munster Academy lads playing for, for, uh, for Munster. So that, that's good to see that. You yeah. know, I know Scotland are talking about going their Super 6 with putting all their pro players into a kind of a league like that. But I think we've, we've got a good quality product in the AIL and good referees reffing it as well. So I think the more pro players that are playing in that with the standard going up, and then that helps the refs because... It's an opportunity for our coaches to develop, but also the, the referees. There's a huge jump, lads, really? to go to Pro 14 from yeah. AIL. Mm. For a player and, and for a referee. So that B&I Cup went, and then they had a kind of a Celtic Cup this year. So that's between Ireland and Wales at the moment. So eight weeks. So that's the only real opportunity that refs can get to, 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 to get better, to, to, to go a level up from... Uh, AIL to professional rugby because mm. the jump there is is tough, yeah. tough. And as you know, you get a first cap for Munster, Ulster, Leinster, Connacht, whatever it may be, and you have a tough day at the office with social mm. media. It's hard well, to come I, back. I do remember you telling me that if you can ref AIL or if you can touch judge <laughs> AIL in Limerick, <laughs> if, if you, you can ref touch, in Limerick, if you can ref in Limerick and get away with it, you can yeah. ref anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. P people ask because we've five professional referees, and uh, hopefully we'll have more from the other provinces in the years to come. That's that's the goal, and that's what we want to do. But four of the five are from Munster at the moment: one from Cork, three from Limerick, and one from Dublin. So. People ask me, why, why? I said, well, if you can ref in Limerick, you can ref anywhere in the world. And I, I have refed all over the world, and I mean all over the world. And you oh, know, The characters can, over the years yeah. that come out of Limerick as referees. Wiry Sexton, was he the president of the He is referees? this year, yeah. He's the president yeah. of the Referees yeah. Association. Yeah. This guy would have refed us all the way up. Absolute character. Um, and he just has such banter with the players. And it, games are a roller coaster. Like, if you yeah. kind of favour one team for one minute and the other. And my, my dad so was. So, talk to the crowd as well, just to entertain them <laughs> and tell them what the penalties were for. But, but he actually edgy, he refereed me when I was playing. And uh, from my own club, Clam William, I can remember him. And uh, he nearly educated you as well because we didn't know the rules. Yeah. Slash laws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but we didn't know, but because, you know, our coaches weren't as au fait as people are with the laws nowadays because of. Mm. Because we, like when I was playing and reffing, there wasn't that many games on TV. Now we're saturated. That's it, yeah. So 
Yeah, so when you start out as a referee, when I was starting out in 2008, I did my first professional game. Maybe three games were televised, but they put you out in the non-televised ones. So if you made a balls of it, you were hidden a little bit from the public. Yeah, and then the referee assessors and fans might have seen that you had a poor game, but you were protected a little bit. So, And then you'd get a TV game after a couple of games where you're exposed. Mm -hmm. But now your first Pro 14 game you're exposed because all seven are televised. Mm, So you have a car crash in that one, and it's hard to come back. Where a player has a car crash, he gets the arm around him, you'll be all right, you'll get backed, you'll get support from your teammates. Not always. (laughs) Yeah, not always, not always, but I I think they'll probably get more of a chance with the public Mm. that he's a young guy and... The abuse that that refs get on on social media must be hard. Like, none of them, I think uh, Nigel Owens is on... On social media, very few. Probably yeah. one of the only ones, is he? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's hard. Like, and I know players get it as well, but um, no one gets worse than a referee. I think players use and use and get it. Um, yeah, referees are going to get it in the neck. I think that comes with the ter- territory. It's just how vicious some of it can be. It can be, can be, can be tough. I mean, it's hard to stay away from it or not read it or not see it sometimes because it's everywhere. Mm. Um, how did you deal with that? Like, would you? I made a conscious decision not to not to be on social media, um, as a lot of referees probably probably do now. But I remember talking to George North there about two or three seasons ago, where he had a bad game and he got absolutely slated by his own fans. And I was like, going, he said, "How how do you how do you, how do you deal with that?" I said, "I'm not on it, you know." But I know guys are trying to promote themselves and stuff like that. But I just noticed in the last couple of years, players are beginning to get it now. Mm-hmm. Coaches are getting it after you know a couple of matches. They're under pressure. Get rid of the coach. Do this. Do that. I mean, it's... I see some of the stuff that came out about Joe after, after you know the World 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 Cup, and I was like, that's really harsh for one yeah. of the most successful coaches. And I worked with the Irish team for a couple of years, and you know, one of the best coaches we've, we've ever had, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it just turn on people yeah. quickly. So and it's, it's, just it's like, anonymous people just sitting at home, just yeah. just sending out tweets, just sending out abuse and yeah. and not giving it a second thought, not actually thinking this person is going to get this and it's going to have an impact on how they're feeling, mm. you know, with their day and it's, it's genuinely going to... There's a lack of humour in it nowadays. Like when that used to be the hurler in the ditch, I don't know, it was... It was fine because it was there. It was in front of you. There was people around. There was repercussions. So, but when you're sitting at home and you're you're tweeting or you're just being vicious, like yeah. you, YouTube is a cesspit for it. Like mm. people are just on there, like anonymous, just being fucking mean and horrible. Mm. Like, and it's you're better off to just avoid it. Like, because like, people are actually at the weekend, and I was in a pub and they were like, oh, "I love your show," um, and some guy was like, "Ah." Oh, do you remember a few weeks ago on YouTube, some fellow was commenting underneath and he was abusing you over this, and I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I don't. I said, I man, I don't have that in my. I don't want that in my world. Like, why? And he was like, sorry, I thought you'd you'd read that stuff, and but now that it's in my head, and I'm like, what, yeah. what was the person saying? Did and you yeah, go and yeah. look? No, I didn't, and I won't, because uh, like I was uh, oblivious and blissfully oblivious. Beforehand, but most of our penguins are lovely. They are lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were They're so, so cuddly sad. and cute. <laughs> but you have your, your professional side in that. You know, I suppose I was renowned for quite serious looking when I refereed. But okay. it's not me. You'd know me well. Mm. You'd know me kind of well, Andrew. But I'm not that serious in, in in real life. But people, 
have a perception of you just because they see you on yeah. television. First of all, they say, geez, you're a lot taller than I thought because <laughs> the guys I'm talking to are six foot ten sometimes and I'm looking up with them and then you walk into the local and an old guy says to me, geez, you're a lot taller than I thought you were. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because people just think you're something else, you know, and you get you get to know people. They, geez, I didn't realise that this, this and this. Yeah. So, And I think most of the people that are quite vicious on Twitter are people that never pay to go to a rugby match, never go down to the local clubs in Ulster or wherever and pick up and coach a team or, or help out or drive a car. So I think mm. those type of people in rugby are not the type of people that are doing that type of stuff. So maybe they, may, like, I'd like um, to see them get down to a local club and give a handout. Yeah. Maybe they mightn't put so much uh, nasty stuff on Twitter every it's weekend. A little bit like what we were talking about with Joe Martyr. I think you said earlier on that he has said that Rugby didn't allow him to be himself mm-hmm. that much, so I think that happens quite a lot in, yeah. in all areas of the game. Referees probably even more so, mm. because you have to you have to take yourself seriously. You have to be able to articulate yourself correctly, make correct calls. Don't make a mistake. You're, it's your profession, mm. and obviously players, it's your profession. Like most people, your profession is your job, and everybody knows you're you're a slightly more straight version of your your real self when you're mm. at your job. Only our job is when we're on TV, and it's our public profile Absolutely. so so people don't really get to know the real you until mm. you know you actually spend time yeah it's interesting people ask me a lot about captains you know good ones bad ones a good story about you in a minute actually i think one of your first <laughs> I think that's all captain. we've got uh, time for <laughs> <laughs> no but guys like rory best sam warburton the bad captains we're talking about brilliant here. <laughs> right? and, and do you know why they were so brilliant it was, it was the guys that talk too much and come at you too hard never really there's only a certain amount of that traction you can take. Okay. Um, Sam, would, Sam Warburton would just come and say one comment and he'd be gone because he's too busy doing his job. Kieran Reid, the same. Ref these guys. Rory, brilliant captain to deal with, would come with accurate, simple stuff and would be gone. His point would be well made and you just got to know these captains over the years that if it was an offsides or marginally offsides, I remember Warburton said, coaches are telling me that you know offsides are they're pushing it. And just from experience of dealing with him, he never bullshitted me. Mm. It was always straight and honest. So I took that comment and told my ARs, lads, let's, let's make sure our offsides, for both sides, I would always say, you know, for both sides. Um, yeah, so I always want the better the player, the better the captain. And I think that's why they end up in those roles. Uh-huh. And, you know, not that we're coming to you or anything like that, but I remember, I think it was in Raven, Raven Hill. <laughs> and... It was always awkward when a, when a winger or a full-back was captain because they're so far away from some of the stuff that's in the coal face sometimes. Yeah. And they're coming. I'm like, what the hell is he going to come with? He was 50 yards away when this happened. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but you came to me and you just just looked at me and I just looked back at you and I was like, I was comfortable. I said, this could have you something for me and everything okay? It was just like, we had that uh, good chat there. Go back to the wing. So we... <laughs> and it was like, I, this I, is I, what I'm supposed I, to do. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I understood why, because like, you'd see captains coming up all the time. So I, yeah, I got to do that as well. But yeah. uh, you didn't come with anything. To <laughs> so I, uh, I ran all the way in from the wing and then I was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Walking yeah, in, yeah. never mind. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. I'll come back to my wing now. Uh, Dylan Hartley's another one, you know, in the, the persona of him is people don't like him, mm. but a brilliant captain. Real right. good guy to deal with. I found him, uh, yeah, good to deal yeah, with. Yeah, he's with, a great with, pundit with, as well. With, with England, yeah. articulate, smart, mm-hmm. you know, people, you know, just obviously he's been involved in incidents he shouldn't have got involved in and yeah. that that's fine but I, I'm only saying as a captain to deal with well, on I suppose field, lads excellent. that have been captains since they were under 10s 
You know what I mean? Those kind of fellas, like the, the guys you're listing there, I, I would assume they were they've been captains since they were young fellas. So they've they've grown with it. The experience yeah. is there, um, and that's that's got to be so important. It's going to be first first thing. On like when you look at Johnny now, there's a lot of questions over whether has he been captain like you know all the way up or. Um, for Lancer, for don't think so. No, yeah, no, he's found himself in a in a tough position now, isn't he? Because he's he's the only one for the job. You you can imagine, like, because he's probably the most experienced player. Uh, he deserves it. Um, he wants it. Um, and as Raj said the other day, though, is it is he the right person for the job? Is the other question? Yeah. I think it's not to make it personal. I think he might may have taken a bit personal what Raj said, like, but it's a. Uh, I thought he was very good the last day, for instance. But I mean, it's like any, it's like anything. If you're doing it for the first time, mm. whether it's your reffing or you're commentating on a match, you're going to get better with more, more games that you do and more experience. So mm. I think I think that's a factor. Mm. You know what I mean? He hasn't done it maybe through his career a lot, and maybe I, I certainly saw a difference in the last Irish game compared to the first one. Mm. And I thought he dealt with the referee really well in that game. I have to say. Mm. The thing with Johnny, though, I, th- I think he will always. He'll always pick up stuff. I think he'll always have a conversation yeah. where he, he, he knows what's happened and he's very, yeah. very clear and he, he, he's got a great appreciation of what has gone on. Yeah. He, he will not... I don't think he'll bluff. I don't think he'll come in blindly and ha- have an argument. I think he'll say, this is what I saw and this is what happened and this is what you said. Mm. So I think he kind of... I think he could potentially hold referees to account. Who was the ref at Twickenham? Jakob Hyper. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think Johnny kind of caught him And he knows out. the law. He, he knows does. every single he's law inside on. out, so he mm. knows his stuff, obviously. Mm. But I mean, he's able to articulate that because yeah. he's pretty accurate in what he, what he, he says most I, of the I time. I think he so. caught Piper out, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. he, he caught him out. He said, um, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, Bundy, mm. uh, Bundy, what was the issue there? And his uh, reasoning for uh, it at the time was different to when he had the conversation a few minutes later at the end of the play. Yeah, right, so I feel okay. like Johnny, like not that many other people, would be able to point that out. And, mm. you know. Yeah. He, he keeps him accountable in that mm, way. I thought he was excellent in that game. And yeah. I suppose it's the, it's the timing of the challenges mm. and your input to a, a professional referee is critical. And that's where the 20s boys at the moment, they need, there's a leadership group there. They're mm. learning to when, when to push, when not to push. And then you have to know your TMO protocol. You need to know your law. Mm. So, and it's tough for a captain because he's all other stuff going on. He's got to play his position, think about the law. When can I challenge the referee? When is time to push? When is time to lay off him? You know, it takes a bit of mm-hmm. takes a bit of experience to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there it, like, and referees do it as well. We really? know when to push as well. Okay, yeah. you know, you need you know, you go to a captain and say, look, can you have a change behaviour here? But then now, now I'm telling you, next penalty down here, someone will go. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a different way of getting captains to work with you, and then right, that's enough. Now, now I'm drawing a line to send mm-hmm. next one. Leaves the field. I think um, Stuart no. Hogg looks like he's learning it at the minute, very much so. I think he he's, yeah. he he looks like he's quite aware and quite conscious of how he's approaching the ref, what he's saying. It's true, Andrew. Yeah, and uh, and then if you think where he's coming from, uh-huh. he sprints down, so he already looks aggressive. Because he looks he's, aggressive, yeah, because he's running thirty meters yeah. before mm. the game restarts because he wants to say something. The ref's so grimacing. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Stuart Hogg coming sprinting from thirty meters, and I'm already thinking, what the hell does he want? coming from 30 metres away mm. here and I'm kind of going let him make his point but if he comes aggressively because he's run down <laughs> then okay we'll draw the line there okay mm. the communication between the refs you said a minute ago you're very serious but it was that very conscious decision for you 
to be, you know, you see a lot of refs that are kind of chatty and have a bit of crack uh, with with players. And is that uh, is that something that that might need to kind of drift out of the game or like being characters, the refs, you know, like Nigel Owens is such a character, uh, the, the use of first names and stuff like that. Is that a... Yeah, is I that think, a, a weird territory or, or what? I, I think it's, I think coming from a player background where referees are, in my view, talking a little bit too much, especially around the breakdown. Um, I've no problem with, you know, a bit of interaction, a bit of banter, but we're there to referee the game, mm-hmm. not to, to talk people off penalties that are actually influencing a game. So, you know, you're off your feet there, you're holding on to the ball, should we just not penalise these? And I'm not saying we penalise at every breakdown because preventative refereeing helps. So if it's a 50-50 and a guy you feel is off your feet, you feel you're on it, Andrew, I'll just let you know rather than penalise you. It might be a harsh penalty, so leave it, you leave it, we get on, we have a flow to the game. Mm. But I just think we're, 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 we're going too far with that now, or players' names and stuff like that because... If you call a player by his first name, you better know all 30 names. Because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I remember I had this conversation with Wayne Barnes. It was bestie, bestie, bestie Ireland played Scotland. Uh-huh. And I was fourth official as for Six Nations. And then I think it was Blair Kinghorn was on the wing. He got sin-binned in that game two years ago. And he just went 14, yellow. But mm-hmm. it was Connor, it was bestie going through the match and then he didn't use a name for because he didn't know him because he was playing his first cap so that's where it becomes you know where the referee perception oh you're talking to all the Irish players by the first name and now there so I think it's not a good look yeah and I remember Tommy O'Donnell said to me at Munster training do you know JP Doyle JP's from Dublin very good referee Um, he was calling Tommy Move or Tommy Seven Monster he never said Monster Seven so I was at training and Tommy said do you know JP Doyle I said yeah why he said can you do me a favour? I said, yeah. I said, tell him to stop calling me by my name when I'm refereeing. Just, just tell me to move or seven because I don't know him. Wow. So, why, so players just want to be refed. Mm. I'm sure you can have a conversation in downtime. Andrew, come here, just calm down. Or, Andrew, can you do this for me? But not on an air, live communicating players' names, I think. No one t- we need hi- to be careful. It's no one balance. in the history of the world who's been told to calm down has ever calmed down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Or relax. Yeah, yeah. relax. Yeah. Is, uh, I suppose you're trying, like, again, going back to Joe Marler point, like, you you don't want to lose the characters in the game there yeah. as well because that was the beauty of it and, and Nigel Owens is a character. Even going back to Wiry Sexton, like, what a character, like, yeah. like, the stories that he has and Jimmy Clancy fellas in Limerick, like, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember, Wiry, my dad told me a story about Wiry Sexton. He was touch judging um, in in a, a young Munsters old match, and he put his flag up for a young Munsters player putting his foot in touch, and uh, one of the one of the crowd behind was there. Ah, Wiry, you're only a bollocks. Yeah. And Wiry was like, as you said, t- talks to the the crowd. He's like, <laughs> I'll have you know. My father was a founding member of this club, and your man goes, he was only a bollocks as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he story. tells that story yeah, he as tells well. Story like, very you know, well. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, great, great story. Yeah. And Jimmy Clancy, another fellow, used to like co- coach, but he kind of wanted your your team to win or something like that. He kind of like Marcus yeah. Moore, remember telling me in a Junior Cup final for St. Munchens, where they they had one player, Ian Ryan, who used to be master, just taking a quick tap and running through players. And uh, it was the last play of the game. They were a few points up and they got a penalty, you know, in their own 22. And Ian Ryan went to take a quick tap. 
And Jimmy Clancy just goes, hold on a second, kick it out and I'll blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> and they blew it up, they kicked it out and blew it up, won the, they won the Junior yeah. Cup. Like, so you definitely don't want to see that go out of the game as well, do you? Yeah, I think, uh, I think there was another one there, the, the RUC as they were formerly, the Royal Ulster Consult, and, and, and the Irish Guards, they, they basically played each other in a, in, a, in, a, in a game of rugby every year. Belfast, Bel, Bel, Belfast to Limerick. Unbelievable digging match every year <laughs> between the two. But uh, Jimmy Clancy was refereeing the match and he all, all hell broke loose and he called the two teams in. He said, lads, if this doesn't stop, I'm going to call the guards. <laughs> 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 and it's a big, 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 big joke. And uh, they got on with the game after that. Yeah, it's a good story, that. He's, yeah, he was a character for he sure. He was a character. He used to cycle to all the games, remember that? Like, yeah. Um, well, look, that's uh, all fascinating stuff, man. Um, I think we've taken up loads of your time. We're going to take a quick break, and then we've got the Guinness Pint Predictors, and I think I have a feckin' forfeit. Mm. Take a quick break. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, welcome back to part three. Uh, that was brilliant. Johnny Lacey, what a legend. Um, yeah, right up there. Yeah, we've learned in My the... My new favourite ref. Is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time. You'll be in that little section in the stand now, just with your referee flag. <laughs> um, we've learned in the break from uh, Midi Olympique that there's a. I believe that uh, translates as <laughs> Middle Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> well, Middle Olympics have decided that uh, these games aren't going ahead at the weekend, um, but will. This obviously hasn't been confirmed. But if we're li- if you're listening to this from the future. Um, and we just, uh, we, we know, like, um, but we're going to do our Guinness match pint predictors anyway. Um, I lost at the weekend. You laughed at me when I, I did. suggested Scotland were going to beat France. Mm. France are back. Where they should be. (laughs) (laughs) They're crap again. I have been saying this for weeks. France flattered to deceive. They are a little bit back, but they're nowhere near the finished product. No. And they just resorted to to type again at the Mm. weekend. They got a bit rolled by the referee. Um, I think so. I think so, yeah. Uh, Should have asked John about that. They should have. Um, But, yeah, they were... Scotland played well. They played well. Scotland were brilliant, to be yeah. fair. And, and again, Adam, Scotland, what about Adam Hastings? Uh, appalled by his parents kissing in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good, man. What happened? I saw the clip of it, but I didn't see what he, his reaction he was. Like, Did he? Uh, he looked up the big screen. He was like, Bleh. It was like a 12 year old. When your parents kiss in front of you when you're a kid, you're like, ah. Uh, it was gold. Um, but they were impressive. So well done. Yeah, you, you predicted they'd win. Yeah, uh, you, got, you got it right. Uh, for next weekend, uh, for these games, if they go ahead, uh, what are your predictions? Who's playing? Who's playing next weekend? <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think Ireland will beat um, France in Paris if it goes ahead mm-hmm. narrowly. I think we'll get a bit of a backlash from from France, but ultimately they'll just implode the same way they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Wales Scotland, where is that game? Uh, Murray in Cardiff. Yeah, is it Cardiff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cardiff. <laughs> Murray Cardiff. Murray Cardiff. <laughs> um, I'd say, I'd say again, you'll get a bit of a reaction from Wales. Okay. Like Wales by five. Okay. Um, and then that's it. Italy England hasn't been played. 
Oh yeah, that's definitely off, isn't it? That's definitely yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, sorry. Um, Ireland by Ireland by three and Wales by five. Okay. Um, I have to take this seriously now. My position on the match point uh, Guinness Legends League is. I'm getting Lauren. I'm 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 getting close to Flannery. Like, yeah, he's rock bottom, but I'm I'm kind of <laughs> dropping. He never turns up when he's um, bottom of us three, does he? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Did he have a reason for not turning up today? He's moving house or something like that. <laughs> moving house last week. <laughs> the week before, he had to do that dance this week. That's why he didn't show up. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, yeah, Ireland to beat France. Um, I love that was behind closed doors. How mad would that be? Yeah, be like an eerie zombie game, <laughs> uh, like an AIL game or something like that. Yeah. It'd be so different to see what the atmosphere would be like, or what the how it would affect the game. Yeah, how it would affect us watching the game. What it would, you know, would it be as as energetic? Would it be as I don't know. I don't has that happened before? I've never Six seen Nations. that. It's never happened, has it? Never seen no, it in any no, game. I don't think I've ever seen that. Game. Game. I'll go Ireland by. Six and I'll go uh, Wales by three. Huh. There you go. Um, so if you want to get involved, uh, download the Matchpoint app and uh, join our league. You have to type in Hori, that's H O R I E, and you get to join the uh, House of Rugby League. Um, but there is a forfeit for me. For... Yeah, so, so more generally, though, we're trying to get people to sign up and we want. We want penguin interaction. I love it when the penguins get on to us on Twitter and correct us and give us a bit of insight and information. Yeah. Do you remember we were talking about Cudmore? Mm-hmm. Someone then, did you see this oh, tweet? Yes. Mm. Someone was able to give Found us... Found him. A, yeah, about mm. his brother. Uh, he was... Do you, do you remember what the tweet was? Was he an X-Men? I think he was an X-Men a couple yes. of times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was an Avenger, was it? Yes. Either an Both. Avenger or X-Men. He's, he's a stuntman or something. Right? He does those. He's a big lad, like so. They have him in a few of these action movies. Yeah. Also, any doctor penguins out there, maybe could provide us, you know, a bit of bit of help, um, some friendly advice um, on the virus. That'd be great. And how to survive? Yeah. Um, Not just doctors, actually. What, survival what? skills, penguins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everything we want it all. Mm. I just want to hear it all. Um, I want them all to chip in on my forfeit as well. Mm-hmm. I want the penguins to help me out. Part of you an idea for this one? Yeah, this actually came from one of our penguins in, in the Facebook group. They said um, Leinster don't really have any great chants at the moment, <sighs> so it'd be great because Barry's in a band if he came up with a good chant for Leinster rugby. Yeah. You were at a birthday at the weekend singing singing songs, your sister's birthday. Mm. And I just imagined, so it was obviously all your family there at the party. Yeah. I just imagined you started singing a Hermitage Green song. Yeah, I just imagined then you go like that to the, your family. <laughs> none of them know. And none of them the words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't know the words. If you look at the video I put up, um, uh, yeah, it's a song I wrote for her called "Make It Better." So uh, obviously, when it's her birthday, I we just sing it to her. It's yeah. Lovely. She gets mortified by it, um, but it's good. Actually, we have a new song out this week. It's called "Afterglow." Um, might get Paul to play a little snippet of it. Mm. <laughs> going really well thank you for all your kind comments all the penguins are very kind about that as well but I've wor- I've penned myself a Leinster song right mm-hmm. um, I, it might sound like another song that you might know but it's just a coincidence um, it's uh, I need your help though uh-huh. so can you do a bass line for me 
Yeah, I still have the bass. I, I, I have to give you the bass then. <laughs> oh. And Pat, I might need you to do some woos in the second verse. Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah. It feels oh. like we're all doing this forfeit, Barry. <laughs> Whenever it's kind of more meant for you. He's <laughs> <laughs> helpful. I'm off yeah, camera, I don't mind you. You're going to be slapping the imaginary yeah. bass over yeah. there. Boom, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Bum, bum, Barry, that's bum, quite a complicated. Bum, 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 you bum, know what it is, don't you? What is that? Stir it up by Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Come on, give it a go. Bum, 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 Continue. Bum, ba bum, ba bum, ba bum, ba bum, 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 ba bum, bum. It's been a long, long time. Bum, ba bum, ba bum, ba bum. Since you not have. You're getting this sore. Do you know this bass line? Can you take over? No, it's let's turn me go. You do the drums, right? I'm glad. It's been a long, long time since you have not scored a try. And I will not lie, 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 that this could make a monster man cry, 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 cry. Linster it up. Linster it up. Ba-boom, 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 boom, little darling, let's stir it up. Ba-boom, 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 boom, boom, ba-boom, boom, boom. Take some James low, 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 low. Add a dash of Gary Ringrose. Ooh, Ringrose. A lump of James Ryan, 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 Ryan. <laughs> now you've got yourself a Leinster lion, a lion, lion from a lion. Zion, Zion, Zion. Leinster it up, ba-doom, 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 ba-doom. Little darling, Leinster it up. You're welcome, Leinster. Oh. That's yes. going to catch on. So if any penguins would like to add a rap to that, um, I could perform that next week. Or you could do the rap, if it's your forfeit. Okay. Yeah. That actually, yeah, the Air Penguins actually could improve upon that there and just... That's, yeah, that's pretty good. No, like, there, There'd be no improvements to be made in that. Last oh, shit. That was, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> it, it will be difficult to get that chant going in the crowd, though. I thought you'd be better with the bass line, so it would... Uh, I don't know if we can entirely blame the bass line. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have one section of the crowd in the bass line, someone doing like a little... Little offbeat guitar bit. Yeah. I think it would work. Look, it's a far, it's far fetched, but um we'll see. See how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> that was stressful. Uh, thank you, Pat. Cheers. Thanks for your woos. That was amazing. Um right, I think we better leave it there, lads. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and for listening and for watching on YouTube. Um, please don't leave an abusive comment. Uh, <laughs> uh, to Ian, to Paul, to Pat, to Anthony, thank you so much for putting the show together. To Johnny Lacey, what a great guest. Um, this um, been, And yeah. we are doing each episode like it's our last. Yeah. And we're living each day like it's our last. Stay safe out there. This has been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby here on Joe. Together with Guinness Party On. Party On. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness.
Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts. 